<laughs> and welcome to the Talking Fit Podcast. My name's Rogan Allport, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts. Jane Owen. And Greg Foley. And today we're going to be talking about muscle gain. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about how to get jacked, unfortunately, not tan. No, not in Wales. Definitely not in Wales. Almost the UK, really. It's kind of pointless trying to get a tan here, unless you stick around for that, like, two days in summer. Mm. But it's actually tan-worthy. Mm. You're an Irishman. You don't know these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't suffer with the same weather. <laughs> sunny, mm. sunny Ireland. No, I'm saying you don't get those you, two you days don't in summer. Get the two days. Oh, okay, yeah, we do. <laughs> okay, so first things first, we're going to go into talking about muscle, why it's so important, why being jacked is one of the best things in the world, and why we're all striving to get to that point where we can look at ourselves in the mirror and go, "Damn." I'm big to that general hatred that everyone gets what was that um, <laughs> that meme I saw where it was like every time you feel like not going to the gym just turn and take a picture of your own ass and realise you're disgusting and go to the gym <laughs> I can't remember who was, I can't remember I'm pretty sure it was T-Nation obviously it's T-Nation always T-Nation yeah I just think, take a picture of your own ass and be like go to the gym I think the best motivational thing I ever saw in T-Nation was um, a sign for a gym that just said tired of being fat and ugly how about just being ugly <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> $1.95 membership. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, so first things first, I want to preface this by saying that we are talking about building muscle from the standpoint of a natural athlete because we, all three of us, are natural. Now, and it's fucking depressing, isn't it? Being natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just don't get me those, wrong. Look, look, just look at the lad on Flex. You will never be that guy on Flex. You will never be him. No matter how hard you try. Yeah, and that's okay. I mean, we're not trying to make it's this okay like... okay because women don't want him either. You're not wrong. But that's the thing. What was it the um, bro science thing? Like, the, the day you started lifting is the day you stopped lifting for women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah you, like, just, you just train now so that other dudes can tell you how jacked you are. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's absolute fact. Like, I just do it so that I can turn to the guy beside me who's curling less than me and be like, look at your puny weights. Oh, God. But yeah, so we are talking from the standpoint of a natural athlete. Now, the reason why I want to preface this is because so much of what you were sold in the industry based on muscle gain and hypertrophy is kind of bollocks, mm. really, just because. Everyone out there is on steroids. <laughs> and you know the rule, if they're more handsome than me and more jacked than me, they're on steroids. If they're more handsome than me, still on steroids. It's a fact. So, no, Kane, no. I think we're equally handsome. Equally handsome. Greg, eh, definitely not. Definitely not on steroids. Greg's the good one. Well, I'm, the, I'm that bit of rough that everyone likes. <laughs> You're that mistake. Everyone goes, <laughs> everyone goes slumming at once. <laughs> but yeah, so everything that we get sold in the industry from a very large standpoint or from a very influential standpoint is um, kind of perpetrated and shelled out to the mass world uh, by people who are on steroids. And ultimately, if you are on steroids, you've got the deck, the, the deck so stacked in your favor, it's absolutely unreal. You've got your ace card. You have an entire deck mm. of aces. Mm. So fundamentally, we need to make sure that we are giving you the best information that we can based on our perspective and the scientific literature based on natural athletes, not what that incredibly jacked dude in Flex tells you you should do because that guy's on steroids. Sorry, but he is. I think, I think what, what steroids kind of do ultimately is they widen your margin of error massively. Mm. So whereas like with natural training, you've got to get everything right to within, you know, five or 10% of the ideal. Like, people on steroids can get that right within 30% of ideal and pretty much get Well, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. it skews the data yeah. so much. Like, I mean, be, to try to do a study on 
because especially now, I mean, the levels of steroid abuse are so much higher than they even were in the seventies. I mean, we were talking just talking about that. Roderick Chavez one where they spoke yeah. about like when Arnold used to get on stage at 210 yeah. how big was he at 210 yeah, he was massive. huge now some of these guys walk around at 300 pounds they don't <laughs> compete at it. they compete at like 280 yeah. that's 70 pounds Go on heavier stage, exactly. and leaner yeah. and they're leaner of muscle bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger and they're just like oh yeah I'm natural will. we know Arnold took steroids but they're like I'm natural yeah and that's the thing so you're exactly right and I remember a a friend of mine said a great thing. You know the interview with um, Dorian Yates where you were saying like, oh yeah, at the end of the day, you can give steroids to a chihuahua, but that doesn't make him a pit bull. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine quoted that to me and was like, but you know what? There's a fuck ton of dogs in between pit bull yeah. mm-hmm. and chihuahua. And ultimately, like, there are a lot of people out there who you may not think are on gear because they are not your atypical mass monster. But the fact is, a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. It's like They may look like an extra on The Only Way is Essex, but... You there look like step? an extra on the only ways Essex first. I think we both know that's not true. No, made in Chelsea. Enough. You're made in yeah. Chelsea. Oh, no, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. That's what I meant. I, I am main cast. <laughs> what are you saying? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I am main cast made in Chelsea. But that being said, there's this massive misconception that you don't. That person is not on steroids because they are not a mass monster, and that's just, you know, unfortunately not the case. There are lots of people, including Spencer Matthews, who was in Maiden Chelsea, who was busted for being on steroids. And he could win the award, award for most mediocre rig in the UK. Can't believe you know his name. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Yes, I don't know those oh, things. Oh, me and Spenny. We get on, get on famously old, old school chums. Oh. We're not, I have no clue who he is. But I always bring up the point of, like, you see, like, Hollywood body transformations... And easy Greg easy Mr. O'Gallagher he's no I'm not no, he's a Mr. O'Gallagher I see where you're someone who has to get as big as possible as fast as possible into as good a shape as possible in something which is not drug tested like why wouldn't they be on steroids of course they would be like why wouldn't they but they're that's not, not tested but that's not a question it's not, it shouldn't be an ethical thing people shouldn't be like oh shame on them no exactly that's just a specific goal they need to get to yeah, and they'll exactly. do whatever it's, they really need to which, which is absolutely 100% fair mm. I think my only issue with it is like, they sell no, that workout yeah, <laughs> I've got no problem with steroids from a moral perspective it's when they go this is completely perfectly um, like possible naturally just yeah, just do this workout. Like, nah. Come on, Tom Hardy. I saw you in Warrior. He was a front <laughs> Oh yeah, Tom, he's admitted to that. Yeah, same he? thing yeah, with yeah, yeah. yeah, same thing with Bronson. I love he him was more like, now. I know he was just so upfront about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, it was a lot of steroids and a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Brilliant." But he did no, turn into an absolute uh, monster. Yeah, he was in an interview like uh, for for um, when he was um, Bane in Batman. They were mm. like, "Oh, did you um, did did you take steroids for the role?" He said, "No, I took fucking Skittles." Like that was his reaction. Like it was like, of course I did. And like, um, Christian, like I, I don't know if Christian Mill was, but I'm just saying, like, from the machinist, from the machinist to fucking uh, Batman was... Begins. It was six months, and he gained like 60, 70 pounds of muscle. Seventy, yeah, and the rest. Like Something he was ridiculous, like that. Well, he was. You know that scene in like Batman Begins where he's like training on the poles and he's like mm. fighting that dude over like spikes or whatever. He was like ninety plus kilos in the machinist. He got down to something ridiculous, like forty something, mm. smoking like four packs of cigarettes and eating an apple and drinking whiskey. Yeah, was it like a, an apple and a tin of tuna a day? Oh god, could you even imagine? Like that is commitment that I just do not have for anything. Yeah. Anyway, let's start looking into some of the mechanisms involved in hypertrophy, I suppose. So I first, one of the most important factors will be mechanical tension, especially for a natural athlete. 
inarguable. Like, there's... Everyone says that oh, we don't really know what makes muscle grow. Like we do know. Everyone We've known for a long time. It is like it's tension on the muscle. Mm. Yeah. Tension being a level of intensity, I suppose weight, we're going to talk yeah. about here. A specific yeah. weight on top of it. So like a better explanation might be in terms of what you could lift for that weight. If you're you're aiming for an eight rep max, it should be of adequate percentage yeah. of your one rep max to make it someone explain that better than me so the, the the general recommendations are between 60 and 90 percent one rep max for hypertrophy mm-hmm. as long as you're somewhere like for the amount of weight that you could do for one rep all out you should be at about 60 to 90 percent of that in any given lift to pro like efficiently stimulate hypertrophy mm-hmm. but there have been studies now which have shown that you can it's get plenty. hypertrophy on uh, sets of um 30 reps to failure mm-hmm. and there's been studies that have shown you can get uh, hypertrophy on sets of um, three to failure but realistically you're not going to do that because like, oh let's talk optimal hypertrophy yeah, then. Optimal we'll hypertrophy. talk optimal it's always between what six and twelve yeah, yeah. Six and, uh, I'd go as far as saying five and fifteen five and fifteen reps for, for hypertrophy with most of that being around the eight Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. And, and and equally, the big thing I want to just stipulate there is Kane said that you need to stimulate the muscle, not obliterate the muscle. So when we talk about going for an eight rep max, we're talking about you get to the point where if you had another rep in the tank, it would not be of optimal mm-hmm. quality and, te- and technical proficiency. Because, you know, was it Serge Olivier? Or anyway, some famous bodybuilder, the name of which I cannot remember for the life of me, said that the key is to stimulate, not obliterate. And yeah. I think that is just so incredibly true because you know we'll get onto this later. But there comes a point where if you just trash your body as hard as you can, there comes a point where it's going to spend more time recovering than adapting. And yeah. we'll talk about that at another point later on in the episode. So at the moment, we're currently looking at short-term um, specifications for hypertrophy. So things that you know have to happen within the context of a session. What, what um, stimulates hypertrophy to occur yeah. before you get to what continues the process after the workout. This is basically what you have to do within a workout to stimulate hypertrophy. The first being mechanical tension. And this is from uh, Brad Schoenfeld's model of um, hypertrophy, which is kind of the working theory, but there's some of it has been debatable. It brought it into question. And we will be talking about that in just a moment. So when we talk about mechanical tension, we also need to take into account the fact that you need to take a muscle through a full range of motion whilst experiencing a appropriate level of mechanical tension to stimulate hypertrophy. So basically, do your squats full range with a proper load because if light weights got you jacked, we'd be using light weights, but they don't. I think full range of motion is a really important one which people miss. Like you get people coming to the gym and they just kind of half rep something and they don't really get anyone. Full range of motion we know leads to more hypertrophy than partial range of motion. Um, even when like volumes equated and all these things. So I think that it, it, it mediates mechanical tension, which is why obviously we've, we've put it under mechanical tension. The more, the, if you're taking a muscle with full range of motion, you get more tension across that muscle in every position that the muscle can uh, occupy and you'll get you'll stimulate hypertrophy better so because you're of it. things like your, your mTOR and your MPK yeah like I mean to like talk about it for boys and specifically don't compensate weight for form go through full range of motion until you're capable yeah. of lifting increased weight through that range don't compensate a quarter of that rep to yeah. add two and kilos like if, on if because you can, if you can back squat like if you're, if you're just standing out and you're back squatting <clears throat> 80 kilos full range then don't do 120 kilo quarter reps because you've now got 40 kilos more on your back than you can safely handle. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and that's, that's not only dangerous, but you're not stimulating hypertrophy the way that you need to. So always use a full range of motion when 
physically possible to you. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like day one of PT course, don't injure your client. Day one of learning how to tra- not train like an asshole, don't injure yourself. Yeah. Like ultimately, if you injure yourself, it's going to be pointless. And the thing is, there comes a point where like you've just got to accept the fact that you know while twenty ones may make your sleeves feel absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm there comes a point where it's just like you are still going to get the same level of attributed pump going through a full range of motion yeah. that's full, actively full going to full range of motion reps are better than 21s exactly mm-hmm. fact <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so you go through the fullest range of motion possible whilst using a weight that is appropriate and if that doesn't kick your ass then I'm sorry you're not going through a full range of motion or you're not mm-hmm. using a weight that's heavy enough and like that's the thing we get clients that come in and we'll be like oh that was that was quite a hard set of eight and we look at it and we're like the fuck was mm-hmm. that you we played that definitely game. go heavier. We played, what are you doing? We played that game a million times where clients were like, oh, that's, yeah, I couldn't do it for that more than eight. So, okay, do as many as you can. They do like 20. Yeah. We had people, they were doing, uh, was it eight, eight rep max? It was just mm. So like eight On 12, the last yeah. set, we were just like, oh, you do as many reps as you can. People get 25 reps in. You're like, and that felt tough to you. Yeah. I guess it does because people aren't used to holding weights, but that's more psychological mm. and physiological yeah. anyway. And that's the thing. Like, and the same thing happens with like, the psychological impact on strength. Like I remember, do you remember Liv? My mm-hmm. client Liv. Yeah, so yeah. I remember when I got Liv in for the first time, like she was really uncomfortable in deadlifting. And it got to the point where I was like, hang on, she's actually really strong. What's going on here? So I stuck the rep ranges, but just kept playing like plate Jenga. So I'd like constantly swap different plates out. She had no clue what was on the bar. We ended up taking up to 100 kilos and she had never touched anything above 50. Mm. We were just playing continual plate Jenga with her. And it's that psychological impact on what you think you are capable mm. of. Like, what, it can hold you back. Boys and girls play the opposite game, though. Yeah. So boys will always chase bigger weights at the expense of their form. Girls will always chase the higher end of the rep range and concentrate so incredibly hard on actually getting to the top that they don't care what weight they lift. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I mean, that's a major problem. Like, and I mean, it's, try, it's trying to balance it. It's trying to get it somewhere in the middle. Yeah. In that, again, in that world of two extremes yeah. is boys, fucking do a full yeah. rep, control your tempo down. Girls, just go heavier. What do you consider? Like, when people... People generally, if it gets, if they've got a heavy enough weight, will try and cut the rep range short. They'll either cut out the top range where you're at peak contraction of the muscle, or they'll cut out the bottom range where you're at the full, like you, you've got your muscle under a loaded stretch. And those two points are the hardest part. That's like you try and cut those ranges because they're the hardest part, but the hardest part because they're the bits that are the most effective. Hmm. Oh yeah, no, of course. So like that's where the good shit happens. So don't cut your range of motion. And is that not a metaphor for life? That is where the good shit My happens. God, like going out of your comfort zone and, t- and stretching yourself to the end of your capacity. That's where the good shit happens. That's where magic happens. Mm-hmm. So you thought you were just coming here for a simple Jack and Tan episode. No, no, life lessons, my friend. So on top of that, muscle damage. So when we go through full ranges of motion with appropriate load and mechanical tension, key word there being appropriate, ladies and gents, boys and girls, we cause damage to the muscle. Now... This is sometimes referred to as microtrauma, mm. and this ultimately is what leads to hypertrophy. This is where the model gets debatable. Mm, because have you seen the, the stuff that's been coming out from um, Andy Galpin's lab? No. Where he talks seen. about how there is nothing actually like indicatively linked to uh, muscle damage and soreness in relation to promoted yeah. hypertrophy. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I, which I, is I, I amazing. Wanted, so what you'll generally get is the movements which cause the most hypertrophy will also cause the most damage. That doesn't mean that the damage is what we want. The damage is what we... It is an unfortunate side effect. The thing is that if you get too much damage, your body will have to spend more time repairing the damage that it can't attribute those resources to making you hypertrophy more. It can't, it can't grow more muscle because it's having to undo the damage that you've done. Hydrophiles? 
Hypertrophize. I don't know. Basically, trying to win the hypertrophy. Yeah, get bigger. Yeah, yeah. So, so muscle. Get big or die trying. <laughs> While we haven't got a definitive answer on it yet, muscle damage may uh, may not directly help. May not be a significant process. I think in terms of. And I, th- I think it's the extent of the damage also yeah. but I mean but you are I mean I think people need to remember what will cause the most significant muscle damage will be the eccentric portion yes what adds most significantly to hypertrophy the eccentric portion tends to be the eccentric yeah. portion and what it's, what targets type 2 muscle fibre more the eccentric, eccentric portion. portion so yes. it's it. I, 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 will, I will probably say and I've said this about fucking 8 million times through these podcasts I guarantee you'll find it somewhere in the middle yeah. someone will say Definitely. you don't need any muscle damage someone will say you well, need this, significant and it'll be somewhere well, nicely in, in the middle in, the, in short term view we see where muscle damage okay across the field it doesn't seem to um, help hypertrophy mm. but we do also know that more muscle damage equals more uh, satellite style simulation mm-hmm. which means more myonucleation which means you so there's obviously going to be a benefit of it mm-hmm. but the way the way that I tend to look at it is muscle damage is not the goal of the workout muscle damage is a side effect of producing a good stimulus yeah because again controlling muscle damage will determine how quick you can train again how, yeah. so if we're looking at volume total volume throughout a week which we'll look at a little bit later it will determine how quickly you can train that muscle group again so you go and smash your quads mm-hmm. to the stage where you can't walk properly that's going to affect yeah. you for a week but then you've also got to consider your level of advancements and mm-hmm. SRA curves so st- uh, stimulus adaption recovery mm-hmm. curve where if you produce such a massive um um, amount of muscle damage that you can't train again until after the point at which you've dropped below the adaption point and you're now worse off than you were to start then you're just digging yourself a hole well, like which general, is like so, general adaptation syndrome yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I think it's worth just sort of like bringing that back in for a second so when we talk about muscle damage we're talking about the actual the, the, the working theory that we go that it's a bicep curl so we go through a really heavy really good technically proficient set of bicep curls and then before you know it you smash yourself you wake up and you are sore mm-hmm. right so that is what we kind of attribute manifestation of muscle damage as being the the doms the soreness that experience of oh shit i can't extend my arm mm-hmm. and or leg or sit on the toilet properly or walk downstairs now what kane is basically saying is that if you get to the point where you are you basically just absolutely smash yourself there is no real substantive evidence to say that that is directly linked to you being in a hypertrophic or muscle gaining state. So the big thing here, guys, is that ultimately, yes, soreness is going to happen when you push your limit, but it's not something that we're actively chasing. It is an unfortunate byproduct of your training. Yeah, exactly. So the big thing here is that soreness is not something you should be chasing every single time you come into the gym because when Kane uh, mentioned the SRA curve, the stimulation recovery and adaptation curve of hypertrophy, if you basically smash the crap out of yourself and you're so incredibly sore that you can't hit um, legs again, let's say, um, within the pattern of your training program because you're so damn sore, you're gonna get nothing out of it. You can't even achieve it. You have missed an opportunity to stimulate that muscle growth. So yeah, you may have had the session of your life and be sore as all shit, but you've missed another opportunity to stimulate that muscle yeah. and ultimately frequency of stimulation is going to lead to the greatest amount of hypertrophy. I think a simpler way of putting it is the residual effect of a certain training stimulus. So in terms of how how 
those benefits you're going to get from a training session is when you talk about you smash the crap out of your legs. The benefits from that will only last so long. And if you're going past that level of being able to re-stimulate that muscle fiber to increase whatever you're trying to increase in it will be lost. So you'll come back again and you'll almost be at a starting position yeah. if not lower than that level. In practical terms, um, muscle protein synthesis, your body producing new muscle tissue, um, after a workout will last about 72 hours for most people and in most people's circumstances. If your DOMS last more than 72 hours and you can't train again for that long, you've probably overdone it. Mm. If if you can train again after 72 hours, you're probably on on the mark. Very good. Hopefully. Cool. So basically, don't chase soreness, chase progress. Boom. Simple as. So from there, we have to start talking about metabolic stress. The most debatable. Mm. Well, this is... I, I quite fall in line here with uh, Mina Hansen and I'm about. So metabolic stress is that lactic acid burning that you get from um, from longer sets. So if you were training for like eight, nine, ten plus sets, you get that burning in the muscle. That's metabolic uh, metabolic stress. I was just about to say, are we talking about the burn? The burn. The burn. And that's where you get into that like that also skeptical version of sarcoplasmic versus yes versus myofibril hypertrophy. So when there is that swelling of the cell, which you tend to get from that pump training against that actual accumulation, not hyperplasia. Don't let me confuse that of actual thickness of each individual muscle yeah. cell. So like with that like overemphasized pump training, you get a significant swelling in the cell. But it's 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 debated as well itself. Where it is, but it is pretty much. That's good. That's gonna. That's gonna be based on. Me and I have some of those argument, which I would tend to agree with, is that um, metabolic stress doesn't necessarily attribute directly to uh, muscle damage, but it does increase mechanical tension. Mm -hmm. So the muscle, the you'll have to produce more tension to get the weight up under that stress, Uh, which is why when you look at occlusion training, uh, hypertrophy occurs in the unoccluded muscle. So for example, if you occlude, so if you cut the circulation off in your hamstring so that the metabolites, so the metabolic stress can't leave the hamstrings, um, you get that build up and your hamstrings will burn like fuck, but you'll also get more hypertrophy in the glute, even though that's not occluded. Like why does that happen? Why would you get more hypertrophy in the unoccluded muscle? Because that the, ten- the tension created by the band increases um, the, ten- uh, the mechanical tension that the body's producing. And that's and it's more the increase in kind of tension that the metabolic stress causes than the actual metabolic stress. You're looking confused, Greg. I think everyone who's just listened to that is looking, <laughs> okay. is looking confused. Basically, the burn means that you have to contract the muscle harder. It doesn't actually itself directly lead to more hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Though, I do tend to believe that that the requirement of the body to get the metabolites out will increase capillarization of the muscle so you'll get more blood flow to the muscle uh, and that can lead to hypertrophy but again indirectly not directly because of the and would you say that would lead to greater vascularization yeah. around the muscle so basically occlusion training makes you more vascular that's what I've heard oh well, yeah yeah. yeah and ladies do in fact love a vascular man yes thank you Stuart Griffin they do in fact love a vascular man okay so once we move on from metabolic stress this is all going to be underpinned by appropriate volume. So we both we talk about volume both in terms of how many sets you do in a workout and how many reps you do per set. And ultimately, working in a hypertrophic rep range is going to be, no shit, the best thing for hypertrophy. 
so what what is the appropriate hypertrophy rep range and how do we organize sets? Well, that massively depends on who you are and how long. Tra- training age is a huge determinant of the appropriate volume. Oh, I'm so glad you went into that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, 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 it's the, probably the most important thing uh, to, in terms of like, at what level are you and how much volume do you need to stimulate an adaption? So when we say training age, we're talking about how many years you've actively been training. Properly. Yeah, properly. We're not talking about how many times you've gone into the gym and broed out over the course of your life. We're talking about have you been following an actual program that follows a specific series of um, training principles? I think I think as an industry, uh, we've always had a tendency to seriously over-prescribe volume because we come from an industry which has been built massively on the use of steroids. So you'll go on any generic bodybuilding program online and it'll be like three sets of uh, 12 to 15 barbell bench press, three sets of 12 to 15 dumbbell bench press, three sets of 12 to 15 incline barbell bench press, three sets of 12 to 15 incline dumbbell bench press, three sets of 15 incline fives, three sets of... And it's like you've... you've How... If if the three of us went and did that now, we would be... Fuck. Yeah. I would die. Exactly. Oh my god. Like I mean the actually you talk about mechanical tension yeah. then by the end of it is going to be but, pathetic. But this is this is the way that the industry's gone because it's the training systems were built on steroid users. Pretty much everything was. Yeah. So like generally like so like you but even dietary advice for muscle building was based on steroid. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it does it, it skews it terribly. Yeah, massively. So so finding the appropriate volume for you as a beginner. Like as right, like right now, if you've never walked into the gym before, you've never lifted a weight. The amount of work that you need to do to grow is some. Oh, I could dangle a barbell in front of you and you'd yeah. get bigger. Jesus. The first workout you walk into the gym, you could do one set per body part. That's enough for you to grow right now. That'll quickly taper off because you've got this. Um, it comes to an asymptote where the, the higher you get, the more you have to do. But to start, I mean, for most beginners five to eight sets per body part per week will see you through for a long time. Mm. And that more advanced you get, that might become 12 to 14 sets per body part per week. And then natural, if you stay natural and you get high enough, 18 to 20 sets per body part per week is going to be roughly where you land in terms of volume. Yeah. And I think that is also going to be indicative of, you know, small individual differences, like whether your, le- your current level of, and I'm just going to keep this simple and say fitness allows you to perform that many gross sets over the course of a week at a given rep range so that will vary slightly but i mean as far as recommendations go you know volume it, per body part per week that's you look they're amazing sets. they're amazingly simple protocols to follow yeah. but they are the only ones to follow yeah. and it, i mean like i mean people will think i mean there is no golden bullet to this and that is generally what you need to do in order to control the volume you need to do yeah and so like when people listen to like a Jack and Tan episode of a podcast, they want these golden nuggets. You won't find it. That is generally what you have to follow and progress yeah. it slowly, which we'll talk yeah. about later. So as a beginner, like five to eight sets per week per body part of about five to 15 reps, somewhere on there. You'll be good. Yeah, you'll be good. When you look at the, um, the Brad Schoenfeld study where he tested... Uh, GV, I think it was Brad Schoenfeld, GVT, uh, Gym yeah, Volume yeah, Training. Yeah, so five sets of 10 versus 10 sets of 10. And five sets of 10 
outperforms 10 sets of 10 in almost every it was every category no legs uh, I think um, leg hypertrophy was greater in the 10 sets of 10 but not I think you're wrong not statistically significant Mm -hmm. you two debate this I'm going to uh, Brad Schoenfeld's Instagram and we will find out but it was in fairness I mean I remember looking at it and I had to double check the study because I was like nah I can't be right for every um, well maybe it was one but for every single score well this was uh, this was off the back of a different study that Brad Schoenfeld did where they found a dose dependent response of um, volume to hypertrophy. What that means is more volume equals more hypertrophy. This is again in a short term way. As long as you don't have to account for recovery and adaption, mm-hmm. you don't have to account for you know deloads and getting injured and things like that. More sets almost all, almost always, or more volume almost always led to more, more hypertrophy. hypertrophy. But this one showed that it didn't. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was significantly. In re- in recreationally trained athletes, so people who just kind of go to the gym. And, so most of us. Yeah, most, most people, of us. Yeah. Yeah, five sets of ten was better than ten sets of ten. And can confirm it was in fact in terms of legs, lean body mass. The win goes to ten by ten with an increase of zero point five kilos of muscle as opposed mm-hmm. to zero point one. Again, not statistically significant though. No, it didn't. It's right in front of you. No, you can't see that. Because <laughs> if you can't see it, it didn't happen. You're like the T Rex of fitness. If it doesn't move, I can't see it. Fucking hell. I also can't wank properly. <laughs> a friend of mine's got a great t shirt of a T Rex looking really sad. It just says, if you clap in, you know it, clap your. Oh. <laughs> but what. Yeah. But yeah. But the thing is, because what I'd also argue is that because 5 by 10 it will ultimately lead to greater progressive strength gains than 10 by 10 because of the like just the sheer metabolic impact of doing 100 reps no we could talk like I'm going to say we could talk it's the same thing it's going to lead thing. to greater gross hypertrophy long term you see that as like as this, if they were if they were if those both both of those categories were steroids used as 10 by 10 would smash it oh it'd smash it yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely smash it, it. Anyway. yeah which then if nothing else just proves exactly what we said right at the beginning take care <laughs> that is not what we said. That is not what we said. But no, I mean that's the thing that the information is so incredibly skewed towards the advantage of the people that are assisted, which once again is not an ethical thing. It's just your personal choice. Blah blah political. Oh, smash political, it, guys! If you guys <laughs> We'd all just be a nation of superheroes. <laughs> Wales is. Wales is the highest steroid abuse in Europe. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. I remember going to it's walk. When going to walkabouts in town, first time ever coming to see my then girlfriend. And you were Do a you large lad. And I was a large lad. And I walked into walkabouts, and it's not just big guys. It is massive guys. Like of like mm. 18, 19 stone guys. It was one in every two. Do you know why? It was ridiculous. Do you know why? Because industry here. Because Wales comes from a background of miners and steel workers. Guys who come out of like uh, high school now going to college and they get office and desk jobs they look at their dads and go that's what a man should look like mm. and their dads are just jacked because they've just been fucking swinging, swinging hands like hands right? like fucking shovels like yeah exactly well, like, and then they go oh, that's what a man should look like so that's why Wales is so bad for steroids I've never seen anything like it mm-hmm. anyway carry on so where are we what's our next point in terms of muscle I mean in terms of points in terms of points I mean we've just told the, all of our listeners to go take steroids so no Greg did we didn't uh, no if you don't okay, no, right. but God on the if you want to get bigger fast take gear I'm sorry like don't bother with these parameters <laughs> eat loads go to the gym and take gear and you will get way bigger way quicker and depending on what you take you may end up fatter and or leaner who knows I don't, think the boys the, I don't think the boys from the valleys care they'll just, just be jacked be in their, in, they'll just be jacked in their pink t-shirts and their weird 
omnisexual hair like the, <laughs> <laughs> the pansexual haircut <laughs> I want to appeal to everyone okay so getting rid of Bradshaw and Bell's Instagram bye Brad uh, you should probably keep that there we'll need that again yeah we are we, also we do actually have notes when we do this we're not just like bullshitting and grabbing people's Instagrams Okay, so so oh, we've already gone into that. Some, not too much. Yeah, pretty much. No, some for sum it up. Yeah, well, no, gonna, Kane, oh, Kane will give you. Kane will sum up everything perfectly. In fairness, we could talk science as long as we want, and, about, so, and, and Kane will go to the end. Volume, not too much, just enough. And I was like, why did we speak for the past ten minutes? Oh, no. I'll tell you what. No, I had like I had the best summary for all, literally all training protocols. Some for a few, with a bit. 10 years. <laughs> mm. Like, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> but still, when we, when we summarize this, we basically are trying to say that you want to go through the fullest range of motion with appropriate loads at a rep range that is going to stimulate hypertrophy. I mean, for enough sets. Yeah, for enough sets. But not like, too much. Yeah, like that, like that, like just let him summarize. That's excessively, excessively handsome king. Go for it. And that's that's basically your short term. Like that's how you stimulate hypertrophy. Do do, we'll say five to fifteen reps, somewhere around there for three to as a beginner five to eight, as an intermediate ten to fourteen, as a advanced eighteen to twenty sets. Um. Two to three times a week per muscle group. Yeah. Um, and you'll get bigger. And use a full range of motion. And you'll get bigger. Yeah. yeah. But you cannot keep using the same template forever and ever and ever because in terms of the long-term strategies for hypertrophy, we need to talk about progress. Well, we need to, well, first of all, we need to talk about <laughs> progressive overload. Oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, I know. It's almost, <laughs> like we went through, it's almost like we went through this right at the beginning. <laughs> we need to talk about progressive overload yeah. because ultimately if you come in and use the exact same load over and over again, regardless of how many rep, uh, how uh, accurate the rep range is, how many sets we do, we can optimize everything. But at the end of the day, I said it earlier, if light weights major jacked would use light weights. They don't, so you need to keep progressing the amount of load that you use. And this is where the principle of progressive overload comes in. Which is maybe the most important thing. Oh yeah. I, I, I'd argue that when it comes to muscle atrophy, progressive overload is more important than almost anything that we touched on. So as long as like whatever you do today in the gym, like it could be any small amount of anything, Next week, do more. The week after, do more. The week after, do more. The week after, do more. Eventually, you'll get to a point where you're growing muscle. Because we spoke about that before when Mike Isretel said made the point. Like as long as you are doing. So one of the parameters we spoke about before, whether it be reps, sets, weight, yeah. it doesn't matter as long as whether you judge it day by day or week by week so, yeah. is increasing. Yeah, that is all. So, so yeah, basically, muscle hypertrophy. The reason for your body to hold on to muscle is because you are asking it to do a certain amount of work. For it to grow more muscle, you need to ask it to do a higher amount of work. So if right now you can bench press 100 kilos for five sets of five, if in a year's time you can do five sets of seven of 100 kilos, you're gonna be you're bigger. Gonna be bigger. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be bigger, if, you, if, if in another year you can do nine sets of, for five sets, uh, five, uh, nine reps for five sets, you're gonna be bigger. Then 11 reps for five sets, you're gonna be bigger. Event, like As long as, you are asking your body to be able to do more work every month, every meso cycle, mm. you're going to be bigger. 
And that's the thing, like whether you progress that linearly, whether you undulate your progression, it really doesn't matter so long as you are just moving the fuck forward. I think that's quite important as well. That's a really good point. Like people will and will bog down about whether it be program design undulator linearly, even if you go linearly and by the time you get to a very high intensity you come back your volume load's going to be higher anyway coming from that lower intensity yeah. again because you'll be lifting more weight so whether you like that's a really good point whether you do it linearly or you undulate the intensities it doesn't really I, I matter i feel like the whole undulating periodization thing is only like not daily undulating, i mean like like um block periodization, block periodization undulating mm. is only only got a massive benefit if you're a concurrent athlete if you need to be strong and have high muscle uh, endurance and, like, and have like you said, oh, but like you said, like you said, like you said, for athletes, that's great because you can undulate it in terms of how your season works and yeah. how your competitions come, and that's amazing. But I think for a base level yeah. person if, who wants to get bigger, d- just get stronger. Yeah. Think, it makes yeah. it makes us look better if, if we undulate it because it's fancy. Yeah, for the yeah, most but part. If, you, if 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 your goal is aesthetics, then train for aesthetics. Mm. You know. Yeah, and I mean, to be Don't honest, worry about you're Too exactly much. right. And to be honest, that brings us on to our you know, next real um, long-term consideration, the SED principle. So the SED principle basically stands for specific adaptation to impose demand. And basically, we can summarize that as your body will give you exactly what you train for every single goddamn time. So don't train to be a power lifter and expect to look like the most aesthetic beast under the sun. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to you're going to get exactly what you train for. And, you know, exactly with that in mind, each program, depending on whether you're trying to bring up your legs, whether you're trying to bring up your upper body. And I mean, ultimately, I do agree with what Gregor Gallagher says here. And I never thought I'd ever say that. But like, once you're happy with where something looks, put that onto maintenance. Yeah. Then bring up the next body part. Once you're happy with that, let's go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But you are going to get exactly what you train for. So don't focus on your quads and then go, where the hell are my hamstrings? Basically, what the said principle says is, if you want to look like you can bench 120 kilos, you need to be able to bench 120 kilos. Like that, that, that's yeah, if you want to look like a badass, be a badass. Yeah. If you want to look like you can squat 200, you've got to be able to squat 200 kilos, not pounds. Well, I guess the said principle would work either way. I know, but <laughs> kilos, not pounds. <laughs> if you want to look like you can squat 200 pounds... You do need to be able to screw up 200 pounds. You ever said no one ever? (laughs) It's it's not wrong. (laughs) Kane's never wrong. Kane is never wrong. He's so damn sexy with it. How big's your dick doing? I just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great. Thank you for not leaving me out in the dark by myself. I've just uh, stopped responding to these things. I know, we keep trying to goad you though. Yeah. Like, damn, uh, these, damn these outrageous compliments. <laughs> they must be hard on you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, but equally, the said principle then takes us into the next most important part of this, okay? Recovery. Because if you want to train like a badass but don't eat accordingly to your desire to be a badass, mm-hmm. then you're pretty much fucked from the get-go. And take gear. Stop doing this! Stop doing this! God damn it. Yeah, if you take gear, that pretty much makes any recovery uh, consideration you need to think of out of the equation. Just don't think you'll you'll just you don't even need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if you're taking gear, then sleep is just a missed opportunity to eat. <laughs> and train. <laughs> I just... I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. I'm, I'm trying to. Do you remember um, Dan Gable? Do you ever, do you ever hear Dan Gable? Yeah. So he was at the 1980 Moscow Olympics, and he had this. He was a wrestler, and he had this 
crazy, crazy record for he's the most tested athlete. Greg, do you remember that wrestler at the 1980? No, but you've never heard of You've never heard of Dan Gable. So this guy, he was the most God, tested... I have to shout out to everybody. Has anyone heard of Dan Gable, the Russian guy from the 1980s? He's American. He's American. From the 1980 but, Moscow no, Olympics. So literally... He's, Don't pat me, boy. <laughs> pat, pat you, man. No, but literally, right? So this guy is the most tested athlete in Olympic history ever. And the Russians just couldn't pop him for absolutely anything. And he had this whole thing where he'd get to wherever he was going in any international competition. The first thing he'd do, get off the plane and train. And they're like, but Dan, you know, the, there's a huge time difference between the US and, you know, Russia. He's like, if somebody's sleeping, I better be training. I'm like that's exactly what it must be like to be on steroids. Like yeah. every every moment is just a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But actual recommendations of recovery. Actual recommendations of recovery. One, put yourself in a position where you are adapting, not just focusing on shit, how do I recover for the next workout? Yeah. Long term. So, so as we touched on in appropriate volume, don't do too much volume because that's gonna take that's gonna be a huge consideration in how much you need to uh, recover or how much effort you need to put into it in order to recover you know if, if you're hitting an appropriate amount of volume for your level then you should be recovering just fine provided that you're hitting all the other markers yeah and when we talk about recovery ultimately from a nutritional standpoint because like ultimately at this point if you don't know that sleep is good for you and water is a good thing then just go fuck, go, the, go fucking back to school go fuck um, yourself <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know sleep is good go fuck yourself <laughs> strong Greg well done um, we're talking about eating because that is where you got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. So you need to eat an appropriate amount of calories. Now, the appropriate amount of calories is going to vary depending on the individual. But ultimately, more is not always going to be better because you start getting fat unless you're on steroids. Then are maybe we going to do the... Are we going to go by the... No, McDonald pointer. Yeah, I like Both it. Oh, we've got a whole, I thought we might finally go the whole podcast without mentioning Lyle McDonald, but he's, he's the man. Three, 300 calories over, don't bother going anything over that? Really? Yeah, for most people. Generally, you'll have that, that horrible. I mean, I don't mean to mention steroids again, but with steroids, generally more is always better. Mm -hmm. With As a clean athlete, if you're going over 300. If you're going over 300 calories, predominantly you're not going to add any more muscle, yeah. but add there's, significantly more fat. Yeah, there's a finite amount of, of muscle that your body can produce within a, within a, any finite amount of time. Mm. So if if you are adding excess calories, your body can't force feed muscle. It can't force grow muscle. You'll only get more fat. So you want to be just just over the amount, that maximum amount. 10 to 15%. Well, um, if you want to get into the maths of it, the, in the in the Broderick Chavez podcast where they go into the into the maths, he points out. No, that I'm talking over. I'm talking about over calorie maintenance. It should be about ten to fifteen percent, depending on body weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, this yeah. is like I mean, you can go to about thirty again. I don't mean to mention again on steroids. You generally go about thirty, thirty-five percent over. And then naturally, you go ten to fifteen. Go ten to fifteen. Yeah, yeah we'll, I, gen I, we'll I, generally I, be a good marker and for the vast majority of us. We'll put on a little bit of body yeah. fat, but if, some can if avoid. If you it. find that on that, you, you're fairly sure that you've got your um, other recovery markers in place mm. then if you're not progressing eat more if you're getting too fat eat a tiny bit less because mm. like, any any number that you can get is only going to be an estimate at best at first uh, but yeah it is that same thing like that's an estimate it's probably an average so you'll have extremes either end so one of you could be a Kane Owen so a lean gainer who needs six seven a thousand calories over yeah. what they have every day and then some will literally only need a hundred so that is probably somewhere in the middle um but we can talk about so generally speaking though once you get to that stage of maintenance 
there will be like so like protein will there'll be a marker of protein which is significant and that is enough to add that bit of muscle generally speaking though yeah. calories will then drive the rest of it so just energy availability yeah. will determine how much muscle you actually put on i feel when it comes to protein as well like trying to consider oh, how much protein is there in a pound of muscle how much do i need to eat in order to produce that pound of muscle it's, it's almost insignificant because you're going to hit over that in order to like to try and stimulate that muscle protein synthesis mm. you're going to need uh, and and as we covered in the protein episode and to minimize muscle protein breakdown you're going to be hitting about okay three to five meals a day of about 30 to 40 grams of protein once you if you're not stimulating that then you're going to be putting yourself at a disadvantage if you are stimulating that you're hitting enough protein to grow muscle and we'll talk like I mean we can get into the, like some of the pathways that are involved sort of the BMTOR AMPK but generally when he's speaking about uh, meal or, or meal frequency when he's talking about three to five you're just making the effect a bit more mm-hmm. pulsative if that's the correct way I'm saying it. So it's not a constant feeding state that you're in. You're yeah. stimulating mTOR and then coming out of it. So you're stimulating motor, motor, uh, muscle, muscle, protein synthesis. muscle protein synthesis, yeah. allowing it to reduce and then stimulating it again, yeah. rather than being in that constant fed state. If you're in that constant fed state, you can keep muscle bro- protein breakdown low for 100% of the time, mm. but you can't keep re-triggering muscle protein synthesis until it comes back down to a baseline level. Mm-hmm. Man, you just summarize shit. <laughs> when we want to talk about squat mechanics, you guys are going to be hearing a lot from me. Until that point, though. <laughs> my, my squat mechanics. Okay, so you got the bar on your back? Sit down. <laughs> Can you get your ass to your ankles? Nope. Ooh. Well, stretch. Work on it. <laughs> Sit there for longer. <laughs> Go as far as you can into a squat and stay there until your ass touches your ankle. <laughs> See you in a day or two. Uh, brilliant but yeah so I mean in terms of the Jack and Tan apps, uh, episode that's pretty much it I mean we've covered everything that we need to the we might we might come around in a part we two I think. I think we'll need to come around in a part two well, I think deloading is something we should go into at another point because I think it's worth because doing because we an, haven't got the time well that but also I think it's actually worth doing an entire episode on systems of recovery because we've, t- we've yeah. talked oh, we've talked, damn we've talked, shit at that no I know <laughs> <laughs> this is where I come in <laughs> all that holistic what's, hippie what's, bullshit yeah. Greg's fucking recovery philosophy take gear take gear <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want a giant clitoris take gear <laughs> that's true have you ever seen some of them I they're, they're like giant peanuts <laughs> <laughs> no we can ask Steve don't hold my hand no we can ask Steve <laughs> <laughs> no, because Steve's ex has started taking gear. Oh, yeah, we can ask her to send her pick. <laughs> send us over a giant clit pick. <laughs> she might hear this, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, Probably we, not. We haven't, na- we haven't named her name. It's fine. We've gone Steve. That's just something because we don't know her name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you raise a very valid point. I did. I probably still would say it. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think it's worth we do an actual an actual episode on recovery at some point, just because I mean, in terms of like holistic systems of recovery, we need to, we it's worth talking about sleep. It's worth talking about um, proper hydration and actually going a little bit more in depth into what you were saying in terms of adaptation versus versus you know. We might even I, I think like I mean we can do recovery. it in terms of even if we do a part two of this, we can look really deep into. The, the nutrition of hypertrophy, yeah. long-term nutrition of hypertrophy, which can look a little bit more. We've just spoken to death over the last three, four episodes about nutrition, so we're a bit spent on that side, but I think that might be worth a part two at some stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and as always, guys, if there is anything that you ever want us to talk about, any you know information you want us to hunt down for um, to give out to you guys, just let us know, because we are more than happy to talk. And as always, you know, we want to make this as, you know, 
as effective for you as possible. We want to make sure we're bringing you the best information that is specific to your needs and goals as we can. And I think, guys, that's a really good place to wrap it up because Greg yep. needs to go off and actually, you know, have a real life. That's strange. Mm. I know. Mm. My wife's away. So I'm going to the brothel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really hope your wife listens to this. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah, that's that one doesn't offend anyone except your wife. <laughs> oh, God. So, guys, as always, this is the Talking Fit Podcast. My name is Rogan Allport. Uh, Kane Owen. And Greg Foley. And we now actually have the Talking Fit Facebook Yay! and Instagram, which Greg is on. So please... Go into Send me nudies. <laughs> slide into Greg's DMs anytime. Uh, yeah, so basically follow us on all forms of social media. Please leave us a five-star review, any uh, constructive criticism or critique. And as always, guys, you know, support the show, like and share with all your friends. If there's anything you want answered, send over your questions. And until next week, this has been Talking Fit. See you next week.